Hello, and welcome to the Cash News Podcast, informative conversations about all things currency and cash. We'll share insights on the issues affecting the world of cash today, like cash security, payments technology, and the cash supply chain. Your hosts, Tom Meehan and Sean Ferrari, hope to inform industry professionals and support better cash security and management by sharing the latest information on trends, strategies, and technology. This is the Cash News Podcast. Now, here's Tom and Sean. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Cash News Podcast. I am super excited because my mate, Vic, is on, a good friend of mine, someone that I've got to travel to trade shows. So it's always nice when it's a friend and a business colleague. But before that, I'll turn it over to the Grandmaster, Sean. Sean, why don't you take it from here? Well, the Grandmaster, I've been, I've got a promotion going on here. Great to be here talking with everyone as always. Hope everyone's had a, a good week or so since you've listened last. And as Tom has said, we are thrilled to have Vic here with us today from Chima. He's he's definitely been a, a good supporter of, of us through the, the past few years, and we're thrilled to have him here and, and talk a little bit about what's going on in the in the recycler space. Because there is, you know, one of the few things and, and as Sorry, my dog is uh, now barking, of course, <laughs> the joys of recording this at home. But one of the things that has definitely taken off through the, the pandemic, um, a lot of things have slowed down, but I and Vic will get your, your thoughts on this in a little bit, maybe, but it, it does seem that the recycler space has heated up a little bit, which is interesting to know. But maybe before we dive into all the the nitty gritty of what's going on with recyclers, just on the on the front of getting back out into the real world. I know we've got some shows coming up. Tom, I know you're. we've talked, you've been traveling a bit, quite a bit actually for work lately. And Victor, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on what's going on out there, uh, whether it's customer meetings or, or trade shows or what have you. How does, it, how does it seem to be going? Thanks for having me, Tom. How are you, mate? It's uh, really good to be on your show. Um, and I just wanted to kick off this conversation, if you don't mind, by just saying, Congratulations to the two of you for coming together and putting an initiative like this together. I think it's absolutely needed in our industry rather than reading lots and lots of articles all the time, which a lot of us don't have a lot of time for these days. It's great to put a podcast on in the car as I did just this week. I uh, listened to the Todd Clippers, really cool. So I just wanted to say congratulations for putting this together um, and taking the time to educate our industry with uh, all the stuff that you do. And coincidentally, the reason I know the two of you is because you introduced me to Tom to begin with, Sean. So ironically, the three of us are on this podcast. So lovely to be with you guys today. But yes, absolutely. Um, I've been traveling like an, an absolute madman over the last few months. At the turn of the year, the start of January, it was almost like whiplash. Things just almost opened up very, very quickly. I think everybody is super keen to get back out and talk and explore and uh and attend trade shows and so on. We've done, we did a mini show a couple of months ago, and then we did a fairly big show, the ATMIA show in Vegas a couple of weeks ago. And that was very, very well attended. I want to give a shout out to the ATMI team for putting together a really good event, attracted some really good people, you know, the market's back. Interesting, you know, to see a lot of the, the differences from, from two years ago when it was held in Houston, a huge amount of interest in Bitcoin ATMs, is, was quite evident out of that show. Uh, but the interesting thing is that I think people want to learn more in the industry. They want to understand what's going on in the industry. They want to explore how to diversify, add value to their customers. And, and so part of the reason we were there was just to enhance the overall message around the cash industry and, and how to take advantage of some of the technology that's out there and, 
and go and help customers do more than just deploy ATMs. So yeah, absolutely very well attended. A couple of trade shows coming up you know, in the next few months. So we're absolutely out there in a big way right now. And uh, the market is, from our perspective, certainly ready to have lots of conversations about where to from here. I have a question and I, we'll, we'll probably go back to the topic of travel because I think everybody is kind of in this odd state. And I, I traveled, I think I've traveled in the last five weeks, three, three of those five weeks and met with customers. And what the kind of overwhelming is everybody wants to get back to normal and just trying to figure out what their companies feel like, what everybody's doing. I actually was in corporate offices and it was uh, relatively the same as before, only a much smaller crew. Mm. You know, um, uh, actually, I didn't, I think this, this last trip, I didn't get my temperature taken for the first time I went to visit someone, which was strange. And we came in and they said, oh, this is a mask optional facility. It was a very different feel than it was even a week ago. So I, I definitely think we should talk about that. But I know that Sean and I, we want to talk about kind of some of the demand for cash management. But before we do, Vic, I, I think everybody should know who you are. But why don't you start by just telling the listeners who you are and what you do? I mean, I, I know that everywhere we go together, we seem to end up talking to a million people. But I think it'd be great for the audience to hear who you are and what you do and why we have you on talking about what's going on. Thank you. I appreciate that. As uh, Tom said, my name is Victor G.I. I run the U.S. business for a company called Chima. Uh, in the U.S., we call ourselves Chima Cash Handling America. Chima is an interesting business, and I'm really grateful I got the chance to, to be a part of it and, and to come to the U.S. and, and represent the brand and the, and the organization here. Chima is an Italian company. We're a manufacturer, and our business is all about manufacturing, designing, and bringing to market innovative cash handling solutions, whether they be smart safes, recyclers, and now even customer-facing technology uh, for the purpose of processing cash payments at, uh, at point-of-sale and kiosks. We spend our entire waking hours uh, understanding what the market needs and then building technology to, to help solve problems around handling cash in a number of different segments, retail being one of those. Uh, retail is a big part of our business globally, banking, the gaming, and the hospitality space. My role is to represent the company here in the U.S. and network and, and uh you know, hang out with people like Tom and Sean and, and wave the flag about how wonderful our industry is and promote technology. So that leads me kind of into my first question. And I try to resist using the word COVID or pandemic, but the reality is it has changed the way things you know are happening. What are you seeing in the industry? You know, you mentioned kind of customer facing. So, you know, what are you seeing in the industry with the customer facing pieces or some trends that have just changed that you didn't see, uh, you know, a year and a half ago? You know, Tom, one of the one of the things I'm I'm absolutely seeing as a as a manufacturer, and fortunately, you know, we we address this space uh, with with a whole new range of solutions uh, that we brought to market some time ago. But but fundamentally, what what I think has happened is the year of COVID has really accelerated the adoption of technology that focuses on touchless and hygiene and those sorts of things. I think it was coming anyway. But I have a feeling, uh, and, and this, is, this is not validated by any form of research, it's just based on lots of conversations and based on amount of opportunities that we're seeing in the marketplace. But I absolutely believe that COVID has accelerated the interest and the exploration of technology to automate the cash handling payment, whether it be at point of sale or in a kiosk environment or those sorts of kind of customer-facing points of transaction. So we're absolutely seeing that the 
you know, a massive trend. It's interesting, right? If you look, if you look at a few years ago, there's absolutely no doubt. And I think everyone can, can agree that the adoption of, of kiosks and self-service technology, primarily in the, in QSR space. I mean, we see it at airports all the time now. You know, I think you, I don't think you can even check in without going to a kiosk these days, but, but certainly in the QSR space, the fast food uh, marketplace, the, the, the adoption of customer facing ordering uh, as in kiosks has just absolutely exploded. Um, you know, you go into McDonald's or you go into any of those tier one formats, they're adopting self-ordering technology like you wouldn't believe. The challenge though is that is that most of those, in fact, all I don't I don't know of any that have really addressed the ability for that customer to pay in cash. So you're still forced to do the ordering on a kiosk. But if you're a cash paying customer, you can't complete that transaction at the kiosk. So you're then forced to go to a different part of the store to complete your transaction, which is inconvenient and, and frustrating for, for a number of customers. And, you know, the stats show that a significant percentage, you know, and I think it's close to 50% from what I understand of the customers that go into a QSR store that self-order want to pay in cash. So there's a, a there's a big opportunity and, and a massive opportunity to solve that problem, right? And how do we how do we solve that problem? Well, it's how do you take cash handling technology to the point of transaction? And that's what the business problem is all about. It's about how do we how do we complete that transaction at the point of activity? And so we're spending a ton of time in that space and, and really addressing that market, partnering with software providers, because you know it's not just about sticking a piece of hardware in there to go deposit some cash and dispense some, some change. It's about truly working with the overall solution provider to make that a seamless experience. So we're definitely seeing a massive interest in customer-facing cash handling, whether it be in a kiosk or even at the point of sale itself. What do you think seems to be the hurdle? It seems like a, a fairly, as you say it, right? And as I've gone to McDonald's or, or other mm-hmm. quick serve restaurants, you know, I've, to your point, I've ordered on the little screen i shouldn't probably say this on the cash news podcast but i will generally use an apple pay or something and and be out of there but if i had cash you should be able to put it in there or something like what seems to be the the hurdle as you've talked to these these companies that haven't adopted yeah so so i think you know based on on a number of conversations with providers and, and so on the one thing i've noticed is that kiosk providers seem to look at cash handling in a kiosk environment as nothing more than just a peripheral device, right? So let's stick a validator in there. And let's put some coin technology in there. And now you've got cash handling the kiosk. And I think, I think it, it served a purpose in some environments. But the challenge is this, is when you take technology that handles the payment of cash and, and collects a lot of cash and dispenses change back out, you're fundamentally implementing or at least, at least introducing a whole lot of other complexities to the business. So it's about how do we make sure there's enough denominations of change to be able to, to handle an entire shift? Or what do we do with excess notes and, and how do they, where do they go once, you know, the, the recycling components are full? And then who and what and how do you take that money away and how does that logistics work? So, so I think one of the biggest challenges of deploying cash handling technology in a, at the front of the store, so to speak, is how do you deal with all of those challenges, right? And I and and it's just not about 
putting in a basic peripheral device that accepts a bill and dispenses some points, right? I think there's more to it. And so I think the adoption of, of cash handling in, in those environments, while it may have started with some of those types of solutions, I think is being challenged now to look at it more holistically and go, well, we've learned that there are some bigger problems associated with managing cash at that level of the store. And how do we address that? And I think that's going to be the biggest opportunity for the marketplaces is being able to solve that problem. Yeah, it seems like workflow is definitely, you know, always a component. I think we we had similar conversations kind of when a lot of banks were considering putting in in recyclers, right? Where mm. it's it's on the backs on the you know behind the counter. But it was a of a, a similar discussion I remember where it was you know, somebody came in and sold a, a nice, fancy smart safe, really, at that point. And it was, here's the smart safe. Have fun. The banks are like, uh, this didn't save me anything. And it's like, well, it's because you're not, no one, no one took the time to talk about how to actually use this big, fancy piece of equipment to actually save time and make it more efficient and do everything, which it can do. But people are stubborn to change practices, right? And that's <laughs> that's always the thing. It's like, no, I always go walk this way to put my money in. And I remember somebody told me the story about they had made a, a recycler and or it was a bank and they had purchased some and they uh, they made it quiet because they were trying to keep it quiet for the the tellers and, and everything. And uh, come to find out, customers hated that. They want to hear the of the money going through the counter. It gives them a, a sense that it's actually being counted. So it's right. it's little right. things like that. You know, you don't really think about until you figure out how you're going to use it and implement it and uh, work through it. I don't know. Yeah. One of the areas that maybe I don't know if they're the most most innovative in this area, but it seems like they they might be or they at least have the drive to be is in the cannabis space. I know they mm. seem to be they, they take a lot of cash. They're <laughs> confronted with some cash handling challenges, no doubt. Be interested in, in your thoughts on kind of what's going on in, in that space and how how recyclers are helping. Yeah, the cannabis space is a, is, is a really interesting marketplace. And I think it's been facilitated quite, it's a good thing for our industry in some ways, because we have the ability, you know, and I'm not just talking about us as a, as, as a vendor, but, but the broader marketplace, we all have the opportunity to, to help those businesses deal with the challenges that they're facing. You know, obviously, as the audience knows, the cannabis marketplace is not federally regulated from a banking perspective, and therefore all payments uh, for product in a dispensary have to be done in cash. And that's created an enormous business challenge for those businesses dealing with, with cash. And up until you know, a couple of years ago, that, that process was, was all manual. So you know, they would count the money, prepare floats, and you know, deal with these volumes of cash. And you know, prior to a couple of years ago as well, the banking problem, the banking challenges were an issue too. So where do you take that money to bank? Thankfully, though, that part of the problem is being solved. There are a number of banks in the marketplace, state-based banks and credit unions that are addressing that problem. As Todd mentioned in his uh, chat with you guys, there's a lot going on with, with banks and addressing that problem, both at a banking level, but also from a CIT perspective in terms of moving cash around. So, so that's good. And, and that's, that's a trend in a positive direction. The challenge is what, what do those dispensaries do at the store level? Right when they're dealing with that cash, when they're collecting it and preparing the floats and all that sort of thing, and so so there's been an a, a, an absolute influx of demand from a number of operators, whether they're smaller operators and privately owned businesses that own one or two or even three or four dispensaries, 
to kind of the what we call the multi-state operators that have a number of stores across different states to address the problem. How do we automate that process? How do we streamline the way we handle cash, both from a security perspective, but also just from a workload perspective? You know, we, we spend quite a bit of time and, and thankfully we have a, a number of customers in that space. But one of our customers says to me all the time that, you know, he can he can sleep at night now. That's fundamentally you know, one of the biggest reasons why I invested, I think we, we spend a lot of time talking about how much time they're going to save and an ROI and compare that against the investment. And, and while that's, that's important in a lot of business we engage in, this one was really simple. It's about being able to sleep at that, knowing that the money is secure and that when he wakes up in the morning, he can jump on and look at a report and reconcile that against the point of sale and go, hey, you know what, you know, my machine counted what my point of sale said I should have received, right? And he's happy. But it also is a lot to do with getting the staff spending more time on the floor rather than in the back office dealing with all of this this pain associated with counting cash and preparing floats and so on. So it's 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 a big problem, absolutely. And and we think that that our industry can can solve that problem for sure. The challenge though is is that because it's such a big problem, you you've got this this huge drive from a number of providers to go, yep, we have a recycler, we'll sell you a recycler, you know, the piece of software. And I think my my advice to the marketplace, as in the, the owners of the dispensers, is do your due diligence, right? There are a number of providers out there that really focus on on technology that's fit for purpose and, and does all the things that you need from a visibility perspective. It's not just about putting in a smart safe. It's not just about sticking in any recycle. You, you really need to do due diligence and make sure that you're putting in the right solution for what you need. And it's going to deliver those benefits. But absolutely, there's a lot going on in that space. And I think that momentum is going to continue for a, for a while. There's even with the introduction of the Safe Banking Act and, and so on, I think by the time the overall market matures around those regulations, the challenge associated with cash is still going to be huge in that marketplace. Yeah. How much of it, you know, whether it's cannabis or, or other stores and, you know, how much of it is about footprint, right? I mean, there's these machines have what I would assume front or customer facing equipment has to like very nice looking large screen white piece of equipment behind you there <laughs> um, has to be pretty pretty slick looking and you know relatively small and, and easy to fit in places and i know these used to be pretty large yeah. devices and i would assume it matters you know depending on volume and purpose and all that sort of thing but um are things are they coming down in size and and being more customizable that way or What's the trend in the industry for that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, if you look at the marketplace, you know, five years ago, it was all about big boxes that, you know, have a lot of functionality. As you can see on my my right, <laughs> there's a bunch of, bunch of big machines that typically end up in back office, cash office environments and so on. In that space, aesthetics is not as important as functionality. And if you have a cash office, then space is not usually a, a challenge. The only time space becomes a challenge, in my opinion, based on the conversations we've had, is when you need to deploy technology in the store, at the front of the store. And so you're absolutely right. That's when you have to deal with things like, how does it fit in a counter? Where does it go behind the counter? You know, How do you deal with those sorts of things and, and, and still achieve and still have all of the technology that you need to have to be able to solve some of those business problems, right? So it's absolutely a challenge. And I think one of the things that we're finding is that 
when you start talking about cash handling at the front of the store, especially technology like what you see behind me that's exposed to the customer, it's about functionality, yes, but it's also about aesthetics, right? You know, these stores, I don't know, you, you would have seen a lot of photos of some of the dispensaries. I mean, they, they look like boutiques, right? I mean, they look like, you know, they've got that sort of Apple store feel to them. They've got, you know, that kind of boutique kind of approach. There's no way they're going to have an industrial looking device you know, facing the customer and, and kind of diluting that customer experience. So aesthetics and look and feel and elegance is the word I like to use, I think is, is important. And so, so we've placed a lot of focus on, on how the technology looks, but also how functional the technology is to make sure we actually accomplish what we're setting out to accomplish. And I guess being Italian helps, you know, with design and aesthetics. <laughs> it's part of the DNA. <laughs> well, to someone with the last name Ferrari, I'll, I'll agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take it one step further when you talk about small form factor. And, and I know that this comes up and obviously I, I do another podcast specific for retail. Smaller retailers, I mean, literally the, every inch equals dollars for them. So when, when they're looking at a, a solution like this, it's daunting for them. You know, How difficult is it really to deploy? I mean, regardless of the number of stores, if you have small, I know everybody I talk to, it's I got to figure out how, how to fit it into the, the counter space, make it look nice, hide it, make it functional, not take away from space that I use for something else. Yep. I have to deal with the ROI argument and then I have to deal with the IT resource. What is the real world of it? Not, you know, what really happens? You know, Tom, it's interesting. We've had some, some really, really interesting conversations recently. And I think the, the deployment of cash recycling in general across the broader retail marketplace with a lot of the big tier one brands has really validated to the retail market that, that cash recycling is important and automating how, how retailers manage cash is, is important, right? Especially now with this whole conversation around, you know, labor and, and the shortage of labor and minimum wage increase and so on. It becomes an even more interesting topic, which we can chat about, you know, after this. What we're seeing though is that now a lot of the smaller format retailers, whether they're convenience stores or, or pharmacies or those sorts of formats, also expressing interest in, in cash handling. And it's not like they haven't had that technology before, but they've had a form of it, which you know, whenever you think about small format cash handling, the first thing that comes to mind is a smart safe, right? It's a, it's a small box that accepts money that goes under the counter. Well, that's great. And, and, and we've addressed the security aspect of it, but we haven't really addressed the broader aspects of efficiency and, and delivering some of those broader benefits that cash recycling has delivered in some of the bigger formats. So the ability to dispense floats and the ability to get change when you need it and the ability to do end of day cash outs, all of those things, you don't exist when all you have is a smart safe. Again, the challenge for our industry is how do we give those retailers that don't have the number of points of sale, but still generate enough cash to be able to justify and, and realize some of the benefits associated with broader cash recycling. They still need to float up four or five points of sale. They still need to get changed throughout the day and they still need to dump this money in an environment at the end of the shift, which is fundamentally what recycling is all about. How do they get those benefits too when they don't have the real estate and the space to house some of these bigger devices out there? So again, it's, it's about taking what you've learned in the big format devices and almost 
you remember that movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, right? It's, uh, you know, it's, it's about giving that technology a pill and shrinking it down to a format that allows for those retailers to take advantage of broader cash recycling capability, right? And so we're spending a lot of time thinking about what does our technology look like moving forward and how do we take a lot of the learnings in the big format devices and bring them into a smaller form factor to be able to give that market the, the, the same benefits. You know, one of the the interesting pieces, I, I think you mentioned the minimum wage um, mm-hmm. kind of increases, and we all know it's uh, it's been in the news a lot. And from our own experiences, I'm sure people have, have seen it's, it's tough to get employees these days. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. there's some, some challenges. And I know to protect the name of the innocent, there was somebody I used to work with who ran a very large production facility, and they, they brought in a new piece of automation at one point. It streamlined it and, and managed to uh, free up the employees to do a lot of other things. Um, and their their favorite saying was this new piece of equipment was their favorite employee because it, yeah. it doesn't complain. It always shows up. It's never sick. Might be a little expensive to get initially, but uh, over time it pays off. So anyway, I'm curious just to the extent that the labor market is playing into any trends that you're... No, absolutely. And, you know, I spent a lot of my, my career in Australia where the minimum wage was you know, over $20 per hour in, in just basic hospitality and retail environments, right? And so when you're talking to a retailer with higher minimum wage levels, the conversation about return on investment becomes a lot easier. And just going back to your comment about personality and, and an employee that doesn't uh, complain and just does the work, it was interesting. We did an, a really cool implementation of a cash recycling solution for a stadium in Australia, and they loved it so much. They they actually put a picture. They had two of them in their cash office, and they put a picture of George Clooney on both of them and called the machines George 1 and George 2. And why George? Because of the gray hair and gray machines. <laughs> they named it George, but nevertheless, it was uh, it was quite interesting, right? I mean, they they love what it does. And, you know, it does everything that, you know, a, a, a staff member can do, but but 100 times faster and a lot more accurate and keeps going without complaining. So it addressed a number of those problems. But going back to the question, as wages increase and, and as the minimum wage conversation becomes, and, and it's not even at a federal level yet, it's, it's just a conversation. But because of labor shortages, you can see like even just yesterday, there was news of a tier one QSR group increasing their wages just to attract employees and retain employees by offering all sorts of benefits and, and things like that. I mean, you hear it with Starbucks and Chipotle and McDonald's all the time. And so what that does is it adds pressure to the business from a cost perspective. And there is no doubt that those businesses are looking for efficiencies in in how to manage that labor cost. So while the labor cost increases, at the same time, they've got to look for efficiencies inside of the store to reduce that exposure. And so every one of those would have to be looking at automation. And I'm not saying cash automation is the only thing they're looking at, they're looking at everything, right? They're looking at how to streamline all sorts of different processes in their businesses. But at the same time, from our perspective, we know that cash handling is, is, a, is, is a process that takes time. It's inefficient. It's, it's inaccurate. And our industry has the ability to address that and really make a change to these businesses, whether it's doing stuff with cash at the front of the store or whether it's just as simple as automating some of the manual tasks associated with dealing with cash in the back office. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's about looking at that business, what are the problems they're experiencing, and then solving for those problems. And I think we can achieve a lot. 
as, a, as an industry to help those businesses really streamline, reduce those costs and reduce some of that exposure that they're now experiencing as a result of the higher wages. All right. I'm going to ask the question that I like to ask because Sean and I, I think, are constantly tasked with cash is dying, cash is dead, no one's using it anymore. I'm going to put you on the spot and I know what you're going to say, but what's going on with cash? Are people stop using it, Vic? Are we all in big trouble? Are you going to have to burn all those boxes? For The, the good thing is, is I'm, I'm still very confident that that we all have jobs for a while. There's no doubt about it. And I think, I think we've got jobs forever. In my opinion, there's always going to be a need. One of your guests, I uh, can't remember who it was, was saying, you know, the, the issue with cash is this. And I, I used to have some interesting conversations with retailers almost to the point where they looked at me and raised their eyebrows when I made the comment. But I think they understood that the comment was coming from a place of, of reality. And that is when your cash percentage as a retailer drops, and this is a bold statement, you know, I, I could risk my reputation here, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I believe it. But when your cash usage goes from 50% to 40%, or even down to 30%, my question is, is why does that matter? Right? At the end of the day, you still have to float up a certain number of points of sale, you still have to deal with cash, it's not like it's gone away. And so in our industry, here's the biggest problem, like everyone looks at a trend and goes, oh, cash is going away. But it's only dropped by 10%. It's only dropped by 15%. Who cares? Right. At the end of the day, the business at an operational level, let's go into a specific store and let's look at what impact that truly has to the way they handle cash. Have they reduced the number, number of points of sale by the same amount? No, it's, it's not a linear relationship. The only difference is, is that the volume of cash is lower, potentially. And that's also demographic based. It's not across the board because a McDonald's store in this suburb versus a McDonald's uh, restaurant in a different suburb have, have a different cash profile. Same is true with a Walgreens, same is true with whatever. It's all about demographics. So at the end of the day, it's about, it's, it's about understanding what that truly does to cash operations in a store. They're still going to need to deal with cash. And as cash reduces, the amount of cash that they're collecting and processing is lower plus wage increases go up, it almost makes it imperative for them to make that process a lot more efficient because the cost associated with it when it's manual becomes higher. So it actually plays in our, our favor as an industry to help those businesses become more efficient because the cost of managing cash actually goes up when the volume you're dealing with is lower and the costs go up. I don't know if you'd agree, but but that's kind of my take on it. I, I think having every guest on, but Vic, obviously, like I said, you're my mate. So you're, but we'll say this. It's always great to hear everybody who's in the industry talking about it. And, and I, you know, I spent 22 years in retail and I'm, you know, I can say without a doubt that that is where I'm a subject matter expert and retail has been evolving dramatically. And, and yes, COVID accelerated the digital side, but, but that's been happening literally for 20 years where downsizing stores changing. And I couldn't agree with you more that unless you get below that 5% threshold, then it all, you know, you're, you're still having the same challenges. And even when you're below that 5%, 5% of what, yeah. you know, if the store does $200 million, 5% is a lot of money. And a there lot. are a lot of stores out there that do a hundred million dollars plus. So it yeah. isn't a simple equation of, our cash decreased by this, but our, if your sales increase tenfold, then you you have that same challenge. And I think 
banking as well is going through an evolution. And I think they have been also for about 20 years, branches closing, branches opening, changing, you know, you know, going to full service. And now and we're going to definitely talk about that in future episodes. But I know that from my side, take, putting my control tech hat on, we, we still see people buying bags. Maybe the bag isn't 100% full and it's 90% full. But the, the money is definitely there. And I know Sean and I certainly hear on every call, there's always some sort of challenge of getting money from point A to point B. It's still very evident. And then I think, and we're not going to talk about it today, but it's coming. Real legislation is coming. Payment choice. It's going to happen because it's not going to go away. It's, cash is not going to go away. And maybe it will in 100, 200 years, but I'm not, I'm not so concerned about 200 years from now because I think there'll be a lot of other challenges. Just one thing I will add to that. Tom, and, and this is again based on a number of conversations that where we've been having over the last, you know, even just as, as early as, you know, six months. And that is retailers that are mature and, and understand cash automation are now looking at where do we go from here? How do we do more? Right. We've realized the benefits of, of cash automation and cash handling at this level. And it's been fantastic for the business. Absolutely. There's no doubt. Otherwise, they wouldn't have invested in, in so much of it. But where do we take it from here? What's next? And I think that for me is why I wake up in the morning with so much excitement is how do we take cash handling from where it is and take it to where it actually needs to go? And there are so many business problems, even in cash handling with retailers that have already done some level of automation to take it to the next level. It's not just about let's deploy another 5,000 smart safe. So let's deploy you know, a whole lot of back office cash recycling solutions. It's let's understand the business problems, right? And even in a retailer that's already automated, where else in the store can we help, right? Solve some of those problems. And I think that for me is, is what's super exciting about our industry right now is that there's just so much evolution. And that's why I feel like we have a long runway ahead of us as an industry to really solve a number of problems, whether it's in QSR, big box, or even in banking for that matter. You know, banking has had telecash recyclers and now they have interactive telemachines and all these, these um, interesting technologies that have automated transaction processing. I think there's more to be done in the world of banking too. And the conversations we're having is, is okay, well, where do we take interactive Tele-based cash handling and transaction handling from here. You know, are there different formats or different styles of technology that will achieve the same benefits for banks that maybe can't afford some of the bigger technology? And so, I think there's still a lot of problems to solve. We're we're not. It's not a mature market. There's still a lot going on in our space, and there's, like I said, a lot of runway ahead of us. Yeah, I think for the first time in a while, you you kind of mentioned you know stores and banks and, and so forth have started looking at looking at cash, right? And trying to figure this out, whether it's the pandemic or they were getting there anyway, or labor markets or what have you, they're, they're finally getting around to it. I think it's, I kind of equate it to for a long time, retail's been looking at streamlining product lines, right? How do you make your product and get it to the store and, and distribute it the most efficient way possible? Sure. Um, or your food product, whatever you're, you're selling. I think over the past five years or so, they've started, just started looking at cash and coin and as a product that they have to manage as well. It's not just on the issuers, the central banks, the CITs, the banks to treat it as a product. It's it's also becoming more important for the the retail space and the the frontline folks to treat it as a product. They're they're giving it out just like everybody else's and taking it and exchanging it. So it's a big logistics component to their business, 
I would hate to imagine. It would be interesting to, to know one day is what is the true cost of cash to a, a retailer, right? Whether it's labor, whether it's CIT costs, whether it's banking fees, all those things, right? What is the, the percentage of cost of cash? It's a great topic that we've tried to look at several times, both at the Fed when I was there and at Currency Research now that I'm here. And it's it's yeah. extraordinarily difficult um, to figure that no one knows. I mean, it's it's you come up with estimates, but at the end of the day, well, who, did, who did the study? What questions did you ask? Here's your cost. And is it? And it, I think it's because there's just a lot of moving parts yeah. to that, right? It's, it's, just, it's There's just so many moving parts, especially in a manual world. The more we automate at the store level, it's, it's crazy, you know, where there's so much benefit just in depositing cash, dispensing cash and all that sort of stuff but but there's there are still opportunities to automate more in that process right whether it's the collection process or whether it's you know whatever but there's there's tons of stuff to do so a lot going on in the industry and certainly um, retailers and banks and hospitality businesses can absolutely gain from automation if there's anything we can get out of this is to help educate the market that there are solutions out there it's just about doing the due diligence and going through the motions. Yeah. And and I think I would agree with you and Tom, you know, we're the cash isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Maybe maybe less of it at certain places or what have you, but there's still still needs to be managed. One of my my other good friends uh, and and mentors in this space, Mark Gould, he uh, well now the Fed's chief payment executive, but the former FVP in San Francisco, he showed a graph out at one of our last conferences that we had in person that showed all of the different payment instruments that have been in place over time. Mm. And what's really interesting and fascinating about the chart that you show is you just add to it. None have gone away. Even checks, you know, checks are still there. Maybe they take a bit of a different form. Maybe they're, it's changed how they're handled, what have you, but very few, if any, have actually dropped off of the payment spectrum. To think cash would before some of even the more antiquated forms than cash is, you know, it's just not gonna, it's not gonna happen. And to your earlier point, when you started this off saying, you know, there, you went to the ATMAA show and they were talking about Bitcoin ATMs. That's fine. That's another option that's out there added to an ATM that's also giving out and accepting cash, I'm sure. And, you know, Bitcoin is another flavor that it can handle. So it's an interesting world and it gives Tom and I stuff to talk about every week, which is great. I, I'll tell you though, it, it, it's really interesting when you talk about the cost of cash and it is almost impossible, right? You might be able to in a segment, but everybody ha- handles it differently. There is no standardized approach. Some people drive it in their cars Some people do deposits every day. Some people do it three times a week. Some people, you know, have some stores with smart safes, some with CIT, you know, pickups on this. So there, it really is a challenge. And that goes to what I said before, that there is this evolution. I don't think there'll ever be a standardized approach to, to look at what the cost of cash is because you're still going to have mom and pop stores. You're still going to have people that operate that way. And you're, you're still going to have all those anomalies. But I do think it's a good topic to talk about. Yeah. I also, and, and I'm a tech guy, right? So I think automation has a place, but Vic and I've had this conversation actually with customers even is, Sometimes it's not right for them. They're just not ready for it from for any number of reasons. So it's really, and I think, Vic, I think it was you and I that had this conversation and we may have even did it publicly about the importance of making sure that you as a solution provider have options for your customers, giving them the option to take the money the way the customer wants to give it. And I think it was, it's definitely you and I, we're talking about COVID and you know being able to make it easy. And one of the things in COVID that I, I know, I won't mention the retailer just because I don't want to create, but we all know who it is, is you know one of the largest 
coffee, you know, places in, in the world puts up a sign that we're not taking cash. And two days later, they're sending messages out because they, I guess they didn't realize that it, it upset a customer base. The answer, I think Vic and I both said is the answer is to help them be able to take cash in a, in a way that your customer, it feels good about it, not to just say, we're not going to do it. And yesterday, this is a real story for Tom. And I don't usually carry a lot of cash. I'm just not a cash guy, mainly because I have, I'm an impulsive buyer. And if I have cash, and I'm like, yeah, just buy that. We were at um, a home improvement store and there were only three self-checkout units and all of them said card only. I, it was a very, very small purchase that I had a, a bill in my hand. And the guy, oh, now you have to go to customer service to take that. By the way, self-checkouts are designed to take cash out of it. Like there's, it, and that, and and that just that's that kind of feeling of you have this system that's made to make it easy for your customer and you. And someone changed it. And I, I'm telling that story. And this is the rule I tell everybody: is if a customer has a bad experience, they're going to tell everybody. When they have a good experience, they almost never tell anybody. And that's a real bad experience. As someone that lives in the industry, like I'm like really. You, you, you have self-checkouts and you won't, they won't take bills. And I'm not even a cash guy from a, a, a payment standpoint. Yeah. Obviously, I live around cash, but I, and that to me, what in a home improvement environment, how, and this is a, this is a fact, yep. the construction world is heavily unbanked. You no one likes to talk about heavily. I mean, it, it might be the most, and this is my opinion, unbanked, uh, you know, population that's out there. So it isn't uncommon, you know, if you're a contractor to get paid in cash. You know, I paid my contractor here in cash to do my roof. That's a lot of cash too. How many times is it going to go before he's like, screw this? I'm not, I'm going to go to another store. So I think that's kind of my piece. And the topics are endless. And I think Vic, I think it'd be great as we do after wrap up, but I'm going to turn it to Sean for a quick wrap up and see what Sean's got going on. But I think it'd be great to have you on. And I, I think based on some of the things you said, maybe we'll get a panel of a couple people on together to, to talk about because I think you covered so many topics, we could probably talk for two hours. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you as a person and I'm glad, I'm always happy to see you smile and I love, you, I love to talk to you. And um, I'm gonna turn it over to Sean to wrap it up and tell everybody what he's got going on. Thanks, Tom. And I'll let go of that. Thanks, Vic. It's always a pleasure talking to you and uh, you've been on many of our, our panels and um, I'd agree. I mean, I think, you know, blowing this discussion out to a, a panel with some some different folks from different sectors of the industry makes sense. Yeah. And that's exactly what we're gonna do live also in uh, in San Diego this December. Uh, Vic will be there um, as well. We're looking forward to getting people together and uh, talking through some of these issues and getting that dialogue going. So well, I'm sure we'll, we'll do some virtual virtual stuff before that. So I, sorry, got some kids in the background as well. Um, I'm going to turn it to Tom to end this because it's about to get really loud over here. I'll wrap it up. Uh, my kids are actually yelling in the background as well, but I don't think you can hear them. So that's good. I think the wrap up again is thank you so much, Vic, for coming on. Uh, Sean, it's always a pleasure. I can't wait to get actually at a show with you. And I uh, would encourage everybody to like subscribe, comment on the podcast. It really helps us if you subscribe and comment and like to get the word out where we can be found everywhere podcasts are listening to. And we'll talk to you in about a week or two. Thanks for listening to the Cash News Podcast. We hope you found this episode insightful. Don't forget to like and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter, and be sure to visit us at thecashnews.com to stay up to date with the latest on the world of cash. Thanks again for listening to the Cash News Podcast.